The following sermon is from Grace Church East County. More information about Grace Church is available at gracechurcheast.org. Exodus chapter 19. Two weeks ago, Dan taught a wonderful, wonderful sermon on the the first six verses, and especially on God's love. And boy, I would would encourage you to review that. That was a rich, rich sermon. And today, I'm going to really give an overview of the entire chapter. So we've got a good bit of ground to cover. And let's pray and ask for God's help. And then Amy's going to read our passage in Exodus 19. Father, I, I know that many are sick today, and so we ask you for mercy on the many who are sick, battling illnesses. Would you grant healing? Would you grant mercy? Would you grant full recovery to those who are sick? And for those who are well, we're thankful that we're here. Would you open the eyes of our hearts? to know and understand your word, to apply it to our lives, and most of all, to behold more of our Savior. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Exodus 19, 1 through 25. On the third new moon after the people of Israel had gone out of the land of Egypt, on that day they came into the wilderness of Sinai. They set out from Rephidim and came into the wilderness of Sinai. And they encamped in the wilderness. There Israel encamped before the mountain. While Moses went up to God, the Lord called to him out of the mountain, saying, Thus you shall say to the house of Jacob, and tell the people of Israel, You yourselves have seen what I did to the Egyptians, and how I bore you on eagles' wings, and brought you to myself. Now, therefore, if you will indeed obey my voice, and keep my covenant, You shall be my treasured possession among all peoples, for all the earth is mine, and you shall be to me a kingdom of priests and a holy nation. These are the words that you shall speak to the people of Israel. So Moses came and called the elders of the people and set before them all these words that the Lord had commanded him. All the people answered together and said, all that the Lord has spoken we will do. And Moses reported the words of the people to the Lord. And the Lord said to Moses, Behold, I am coming to you in a thick cloud that the people may hear when I speak with you and may also believe you forever. When Moses told the words of the people to the Lord, the Lord said to Moses, Go to the people and consecrate them today and tomorrow and let them wash their garments and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. And you shall set limits for the people all around, saying, Take care not to go up into the mountain or touch the edge of it. Whoever touches the mountain shall be put to death. No hand shall touch him, but he shall be stoned or shot. Whether beast or man, he shall not live. When the trumpet sounds a long blast, they shall come up to the mountain. So Moses went down from the mountain to the people and consecrated the people, and they washed their garments. And he said to the people, Be ready for the third day. Do not go near a woman. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast so that all the people in the camp trembled. Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. And they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. 
Now Mount Sinai was wrapped in smoke because the Lord had descended on it in fire. The smoke of it went up like the smoke of a kiln, and the whole mountain trembled greatly. And as the sound of the trumpet grew louder and louder, Moses spoke, and God answered him in thunder. The Lord came down on Mount Sinai to the top of the mountain, and the Lord called Moses to the top of the mountain, and Moses went up. And the Lord said to Moses, Go down and warn the people, lest they break through to the Lord, to look, and many of them perish. And also, let the priests who come near to the Lord consecrate themselves, lest the Lord break out against them. And Moses said to the Lord, The people cannot come up to Mount Sinai, for you yourself warned us, saying, Set limits around the mountain and consecrate it. And the Lord said to him, Go down and come up, bringing Aaron with you. But do not let the priests and the people break through to come up to the Lord, lest he break out against them. So Moses went down to the people and told them the word of the Lord. Thank you, Amy. You ever noticed how easy it is to take good things for granted? Ever notice that? How easy it is to take something very good and take it for granted, we have many people who are sick today, adults and kids. Whenever I get sick, it dawns on me, I really take health for granted. And then when I recover, I, I savor, I savor the return of some degree of health. And for those who experience chronic illness, you have our deep respect and care. Water is like this. We need water to live. And yet I take access to water for granted. Once we were, we were hiking as a family, and one of my kids was not feeling well, and they drank all of their water during this hike, and we had quite a ways to go still, and so I'm giving this kid all of my water that I've been saving for me, and I got quite dehydrated on this warm day in which we're hiking, and I remember getting finally to the bottom where there was a drinking fountain and savoring, savoring water like never before. It is easy, friends, to take good things for granted, including our relationship with God. If you've been a Christian for any length of time, you probably know what I'm talking about. You may no longer savor the joy and the privilege of knowing God in Christ like you once did. Is that you? A relationship with God, it becomes for us kind of routine. Maybe it feels for you kind of humdrum, kind of blah. It becomes like the furniture or wallpaper in your house. You don't notice it anymore or savor it like you used to. It's a common experience. It's a common experience. And this passage can help us. And it helps us by way of contrast. Here we see an ancient relationship with God that by contrast, by contrast, can help you and me savor our own relationship with God today. And even if you'd say, Tab, I don't have a relationship with God, my hope is that you leave here savoring one yourself. Our, our passage is structured in three main sections, sections that we could label identity cleansing, and encounter. Identity, cleansing, and encounter, and then we'll consider the contrast. 
So first, the identity. First, the identity. The people of Israel have been redeemed from slavery in Egypt, traveling now through the wilderness for seven weeks, and here they are camped before the mountain, we're told, Mount Sinai. A very significant moment. This is the mountain where God met Moses in Exodus chapter 3. Here at Mount Sinai, God announces a covenant with his people, a covenant, a solemn agreement. Having delivered his people out of Egypt, he now defines his relationship with them, and he does so through a covenant, a solemn agreement. Now, some background. God's covenant of grace overarches the entire Bible. God's covenant of grace overarches the Bible from Genesis 3 to Revelation 22, from Eden to the new creation. Because a fallen people can only relate to God by his grace, his unmerited, unearned favor. But that overarching covenant of grace now takes a step forward. Now there is some progression in God's progressive revelation of his plans. That overarching covenant of grace now adds a defining feature, law. That's what happens at Sinai. Grace is still the foundation, friends. But law is the defining feature of this covenant at Sinai, as we'll see. But that's why you read in verse 5, verse 5, if, God says, if you will indeed obey my voice and keep my covenant. If you obey my voice, keep my covenant, then you'll have the transformed identity you read about in verses 5 and 6, where Israel will be God's treasured possession, as Dan taught us like a king's personal treasure. As Chad Bird puts it, when the Lord opened his treasure, treasure chest, he was looking at the face of Israel. And there'll be a kingdom of priests. That means access to God and a calling to represent God to the world. This is purpose. This is calling. This is vocation for Israel. Access to God and representing God. And so they will be a holy nation, a people set apart. Not because God doesn't care about the other nations, rather, rather because God promised for the other nations blessing, blessing through this set apart people. And so this covenant will transform their identity. Now, the closest thing we have in our culture to this is the covenant of marriage. And I mention this just by illustration, not to in any way ignore our single brothers and sisters here, but marriage is probably the closest thing we have to the covenant we're seeing in Exodus 19. Marriage changes your identity. It really changes who you are in a sense. You might change your name. You join resources, you share a home, and you relate to one person differently than you relate to everyone else in the world. Everyone else is now off limits romantically, except this one person, your spouse. Covenants change you like that. That's what's happening here. In this covenant at Sinai, Israel will now be God's treasured possession, a kingdom of priests. 
a holy nation. But there's, there's some tension there, isn't here? You feel a little bit of tension, I hope. If, if they obey God's voice, if they keep God's covenant, that's a big if. In chapter 32, they're going to make a golden calf as their God and break this covenant. So there's some tension here. Keep that in mind. The second element we see of this relationship is the cleansing. Secondly, the cleansing. Cleansing. Look at verse 10 now, please. Verse 10, the Lord said to Moses, go to the people and consecrate them, sanctify them today and tomorrow. Let them wash their garments. Wash your clothing, please, and be ready for the third day. For on the third day, the Lord will come down on Mount Sinai in the sight of all the people. So now the people must prepare to meet with God. So God says, consecrate them. Purify yourselves ritually. That's the deal with washing your clothing. Purify yourself ritually and avoid what could ritually defile you. And so Moses adds, don't touch a woman. I don't know, just to, be, just to be careful. I'm not sure. Avoid what could ritually defile you. It's an outward kind of symbolic cleansing to be this set-apart people. And yet, did you notice God saying, make sure they don't even touch the mountain, or they will die in verse 12. Instant death, it says, if you touch the edge of the mountain. Why? Because the holy presence of God would make this mountain holy. And this may be a little bit hard for us to understand or relate to. Our fallenness, our fallenness is really the water in which we swim. It's the air we breathe. It's kind of like we have melatonin in our souls, we get sleepy to God's holiness, don't we? We get drowsy to his majesty. We might even start to think of God like Greg Gilbert describes. He writes, let me introduce you to God, lowercase g. Let me introduce you to lowercase g, God. You might want to lower your voice a little before we go in. He might be sleeping now. He's old, you know, and doesn't much understand or like this newfangled modern world. His golden days were a long time ago. That was back when people cared about what he thought about things and considered him pretty important in their lives. All that's changed now, and God, poor fellow, just never adjusted very well. Life's moved on and passed him by. Now he spends most of his time just hanging in the garden out back. A lot of people still like him. You'd be surprised how many people even drop by to visit and ask for things every once in a while. But of course that's all right with him. He's here to help. Thank goodness all that crankiness you read sometimes in his old books, you know, having the earth swallow people up, raining fire down on cities, that sort of thing. All that seems to have faded in his old age. Now, he's just a good-natured, low-maintenance friend who's easy to talk to, especially since he almost never talks back. And when he does, it's usually to tell me, through some slightly weird sign, 
that what I want to do regardless is all right by him. You know the best thing about him, though? He doesn't judge me, ever. He knows I'm human and nobody's perfect. Friends, has that in some ways become your view of God? Have you become at all a little sleepy to his holiness? A little drowsy to his majesty? God here says, set limits around the mountain because of my holy presence. Put up barricades, Moses. Set up traffic cones, something, anything, lest the people die should they even touch the mountain. Which makes sense when you remember who this is. In chapter 3, when Moses asked his name, God just says, I am who I am. That's who this is. The great I am. No beginning and no ending. Never improving, never becoming, always eternal, infinite majesty. Always eternal, infinite glory. Always eternal, infinite splendor. So how can this people be with that God? Answer, only if they're cleansed. So wash yourselves Purify yourselves, ritually speaking, because only a cleansed person could be in relationship with a holy God. So keep that in mind, too. But there is still this tension. Do you see it here as well, the tension? This cleansing is not really effective. But people are told still to keep their distance. The message is, don't come too close. And then third section, the encounter. Third, the encounter. Verse 16. On the morning of the third day, there were thunders and lightnings and a thick cloud on the mountain and a very loud trumpet blast. Look at verse 16. So that all the people in the camp trembled, trembled, shook, Then Moses brought the people out of the camp to meet God. Notice that. To encounter God. To meet God in verse 17. And they took their stand at the foot of the mountain. The cloud that has been leading them through the wilderness descends on Mount Sinai. A dark, thick, foreboding cloud. The whole mountain smokes. There's fire. There's lightning. There's thunder. It's like a volcano erupting before their eyes. And above all that, blasts of trumpets can be heard, which are getting louder and louder and louder in verse 19. It is a theophany, a physical manifestation of God. God makes himself known physically here. It's combination earthquake, volcano with trumpet blasts. Have you ever been to a place that puts some holy fear in you? Ever been to a place like that? I can think of a few times for me. 
there's a trail in Yosemite that goes up along this waterfall. Beautiful spot, but the steps get at points wet from the spray of the waterfall, and there's a big drop-off next to you, no, no handrail. Going up and down those wet steps, that puts a little bit of fear in me. Or when I have peered over the edge of the Grand Canyon, I see that long, long, long way down. Or last summer, we went to Zion National Park, and we hiked, hiked the Angels Landing Trail. Anyone done that? The Angels Landing Trail. We got to the actual Angels Landing, which is a narrow ledge of rock jutting out. And they have chains installed so that you can cling to the chains as you make your way out this narrow ledge of rock. And I did not go. <laughs> Whatever that place is for you that puts some kind of holy fear in you, imagine this dark cloud resting on it. Imagine it's on fire. Imagine smoke going up. Imagine lightning and thunder. And then on top of all that, trumpet blast. And they're getting louder and louder. A theophany of the Holy One is terrifying. The whole scene shouts, distance, stay back. Don't come too close, with one exception, Moses. Did you notice Moses here hiking up and down in this passage? And Moses gets a serious workout. He's going up, he's going down, he's going up, he's going down. Why? Well, he's the go-between. He is the covenant mediator. Moses is the covenant mediator between God and his people. You see this first in verse 9. God says to Moses in verse 9, Behold, I am coming to you in thick cloud, that the people may hear when I speak with you, Moses. God is saying, Moses is my mediator. The chapter closes with God saying to Moses, go down, bring Aaron up, but no one else, not even the priests. Because Moses is this go-between between God and his people. He is a covenant mediator, but Moses can't really get the job done, can he? Not fully, not completely. That's the tension we're seeing. Obey my words, but they can't and won't. Cleanse yourselves, but don't come too close. Encounter God, meet God, but in fear with trembling. Moses can't resolve that tension because that tension plants a seed in your Bible that points ahead. Moses can't resolve the tension because that tension points forward to the mediator to come. That's the contrast to see this morning. As the Apostle Paul put it, there is one God and one mediator, one mediator between God and men, the man, the God-man, Christ Jesus. Moses is here in this passage pointing forward to him. So if like water or health for me, You've maybe been taking a relationship with God for granted. If you no longer savor the joy and privilege of knowing God in Christ, 
If a relationship with God seems humdrum or kind of blah, like the furniture or wallpaper in your house, you don't notice it, catch the contrast, friends. Behold your mediator. I would put the takeaway like this. Savor your better relationship with God through your better mediator, Jesus. If you want a sentence for what I'm trying to persuade you of today, what I'm trying to convince you of from this passage, here's the sentence. Savor your better relationship with God through your better mediator, Jesus. Do that first with this identity, with this identity. The apostle Peter wrote to Jew and Gentile in 1 Peter 2, you are a chosen race a royal priesthood, a holy nation, not the USA, a people for his own possession. He's saying that Exodus 19 identity is yours in Christ through your mediator. So you, in La Mesa Community Center, are part of God's treasured possession. When the Lord opens his treasure chest, he sees The church, he sees your face. You are part of a kingdom of priests. Don't come too close is no longer the message. Now the message is draw near with full assurance of faith in your mediator. When I was growing up, my sister and I were raised by my father. So when he was at work and we would have a conflict, we would call dad at work. And I remember it vividly. His assistant would always answer, Mr. Trainer's office, can I talk to my dad? And the answer was always, sure, here you go. No matter what was going on for him, no matter what meeting he was in, we had constant access. That's what this is like for you to God through your mediator a kingdom of priests, and a holy nation, part of God's set-apart people, his billboard to a watching world, his Super Bowl commercial in the earth, you and me, ambassadors for Christ in the church. But here's the contrast. Here's the contrast. Peter adds no contingencies. Peter doesn't tell you, if you keep this covenant sufficiently, Nothing about our obedience in 1 Peter 2. Why? Because your mediator obeyed fully in your place. And his new covenant transforms you from within by his spirit to live in newness of life. So obedience is still vitally important, absolutely, because his resurrected power, the power of Jesus, is beating in your soul. So savor your better relationship with God through your better mediator, Jesus, through that identity, and do so through the better cleansing as well, the better cleansing he brings. I have been reading through the book of Acts, and I read recently where the apostle Paul is in Jerusalem, gets arrested, and to the crowd recounts his testimony. He tells how he was blinded by the glory of the risen Jesus and how Ananias was sent to him, who says to him, rise, be baptized, and wash away your sins. I just love that. 
Be baptized as an expression of faith in Christ and have your sins, all of your sins, washed away. Talk about a cleansing. What was this like for that Pharisee to hear, wash away all of your sins through Christ alone? Be cleansed before the great I am. Be cleansed before infinite majesty and infinite glory and infinite splendor once and for all. No more distance. No more stay back. All your sins washed away. Friends, savor your better relationship with God through your better mediator, Jesus. By this identity, by this better cleansing, and also through the better encounter the better encounter we have in Christ. There's no better place to see this than the book of Hebrews. And we're going to show this to you because it's kind of a lengthy passage. In Hebrews chapter 12, we read, For you, you have not come, not come to what may be touched. He's talking about Sinai. A blazing fire and darkness and gloom and a tempest and the sound of a trumpet, and a voice whose words made the hearers beg that no further messages be spoken to them. Hold on, stop. Oh, no, I'm sorry, a little bit more. Yep, go ahead. Sorry, my bad. What was the next one? One more slide? Nope, there. For they could not endure the order that was given. If even a beast touches the mountain, it shall be stoned. Okay, pause right there for me. Oh, no, there's more. I am so sorry. <laughs> I should probably look at my notes. Indeed, so terrifying was the sight that Moses said, I tremble with fear. That's Sinai. That was Sinai right there. Now the contrast. Okay, Kelly. But you, here's the contrast. You have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to innumerable angels in festal celebratory gathering, and to the assembly, the church, the church of the firstborn who are enrolled in heaven, and to God, and to God, yes, here's your encounter with God, and to God, the judge of all, and to the spirits of the righteous made perfect. There it is. And to Jesus, the mediator of a new covenant. See the contrast? Sinai covenant, distance, dread, fear. In Christ, new covenant, true worship, closeness, glad celebration. You know, a great homework would be, read the book of Hebrews. Read the book of Hebrews. Work through the book of Hebrews this week or this month or what have you. Or maybe more simply, if you just want to study the English word better in Hebrews, you can do an easy search online, better in Hebrews. There are 10 passages. Check them out. It'll help you behold a better relationship with God through our better mediator. You know, recently, I don't know if you got this email. Recently, I got an email informing me that February 1st was Unclaimed Property Day. Anyone else get this email? Yeah, some of you did. Brandon did. Unclaimed Property Day. That was the day in which we were encouraged if, to see if we were among the millions of Americans 
who have apparently collectively billions of dollars in unclaimed property waiting, just waiting to be reclaimed. Billions are lying around waiting to be reclaimed. It seems to me our relationship with God can be like that. Incredible blessing. Incredible riches. Just waiting to be reclaimed by him. Do you need to reclaim your identity in Jesus? His treasured possession. Kingdom of priests, a holy nation. Because the mediator obeyed fully for you. Do you need to reclaim this cleansing in Christ? Sins washed away by the life, death, and resurrection of your mediator. Do you need to reclaim this glad encounter with God in Christ, drawing near in full assurance of faith and glad celebration through your mediator? Friends, it's easy to take a relationship with God for granted. So look back to Sinai and see the contrast, and then savor your better relationship with God through the better mediator, Jesus. But you know, claiming those riches requires a response, doesn't it? In verse 7, the people respond. In verse 7, they say, all that the Lord has spoken, we will do. They're saying at Sinai, we're in on the Sinai covenant. So I want to close by asking, are you in on this covenant? Will you say with Israel, all the Lord has spoken, we will do? You know what he says to you? Simply believe. Rely on me. Turn to your mediator in repentance and trust solely and gladly in his finished work. And then you, friend, will savor this better relationship with God through him. Let's pray. Maybe then there is a point for you that the Holy Spirit's been highlighting. Maybe a response to make in the silence of your heart. Beholding how the mediator has obeyed in your place. Trusting that he has washed away all your sins. Drawing near, not keeping a distance, drawing near through Christ alone. Or maybe turning and trusting to Jesus for the first time. You can do that right now, crying out to him. Let me encourage you just to savor the better relationship with God you have through the better mediator. Jesus Christ.
Oh, Lord, I pray that I would and all my hearers would be helped by you today to leave here savoring our relationship with you more than we did when we arrived. Would you grant that, Holy Spirit? You touch every heart here, beginning with my own, that we would treasure, that we would rejoice in and live in light of this better relationship you have purchased for us. And all we can say is thank you. So thank you, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Thank you for listening to this sermon from Grace Church East County. Please find us online at gracechurcheast.org if you would like to find out more about us.